0: Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, Attorney Kim Hegwood, with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood.
1: Good morning and welcome to Life Happens with me, Kim Hegwood, and my very special guest today is Mary Moreland, the author of The Gap Between. And so, uh, good morning. How are you?
0: Good morning. I'm very well. Thank you for having me.
1: So let's kind of figure out, uh, you know, I think our topic today is going to be, you know, the gap between loving and supporting someone with Alzheimer's, because I think it's such a, it's such a difficult uh, disease that really, really can devastate families for a lot of years. And so um, tell me a little bit about your background and and why are you so passionate about helping caregivers?
0: Well, um, I live in Houston. I'm actually a native Houstonian. Uh, I'm a lawyer, but I'm not an elder care lawyer. Uh, and when my father passed away, I stepped into his shoes as the primary caregiver for my mother. And I was in that role for almost a decade. You know, like you said, can so many people live with Alzheimer's and Once you start asking around, you know someone who lives with Alzheimer's or you know someone who loves someone and who's taking care of someone living with Alzheimer's? So in retrospect, I really learned a lot during that decade and I wanted to share those learnings and kind of an Alzheimer's 101. And I also wanted to write a book in a way that someone could pick it up and feel like they, they're not alone. That person has a friend who's gone through the same thing.
1: I know a lot of caregivers tend to journal during this process. Did that, did you do that by any chance? Cause I think that helps sometimes when you're thinking, you know, if you think about writing later, but just journaling because um, a lot of times it's just you and that parent. You know? So it makes it a little easier. So uh, did you find, uh, that or did you write towards the end or afterwards?
0: You know, uh, that's so interesting that you mentioned that because my book actually started out as my journal. And when I put, you know, my mother on hospice, it was during COVID. And it was me in my house with my two teenage children. So I, I recognized at that time, I really needed someone to talk to. And I went to one of these internet therapy sites. Uh, and started talking to someone who encouraged me to write my feelings and I found it to be very therapeutic and then when I showed some people what I had written the response was well Mary this could really help other people in the same situation you should think about writing a book and that was the genesis for it.
1: Yeah so you know people always tell caregivers you know I hope you're taking care of yourself Do you find that a lot of time caregivers say yes, even when they're not?
0: Well, speaking for myself, people said that to me all the time or a variation of it. And I always said yes, Mm -hmm. because who wants to say, no, I'm not taking care of myself. And especially I think a lot of times people in the caregiver role are dependable. They're used to multitasking. They're organized, and so at least speaking for myself, it was very difficult to admit that I wasn't doing a good job at self-care or that I needed help from other people.
1: I found that um, in my situation, I, was, I wasn't even a thought. Um, it, it just didn't occur to me that I needed anything other than time, I needed time because uh, that was my enemy, because I was like you, taking care of grandparents and teenagers. And so, but I was lucky, I had caregivers. So they they took a lot of the, you know, the day-to-day, you know, that was very helpful because I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. And they're like family now, still today, you know, so uh, they came in really handy. So how do you encourage, uh, how can people encourage caregivers? you know, to take breaks and get help. Cause I know in my practice, I tell caregivers that all the time, all the time, you have to take care of yourself. I mean, we even get to the point where we're kind of blunt, if you don't take care of yourself and you die, what's going to happen to them? Because sometimes the thought doesn't occur to them that they might go first because they're not doing good care. My grandfather, I, I thank God every day that he outlasted my grandmother, but he wasn't taking care of himself and started having strokes you know, so, and so what did you find that was helpful uh, that you're wanting other people to know?
0: So, you know, you're so right. You just have to take care of yourself. It's so important. And it was something I didn't do a very good job of. And now when I hear of a friend who is in a similar situation, I'll invite that friend over to sit on my back porch and just kind of talk to them. And I think what's very helpful is to listen to the caregiver. And like, for example, you just said, you know, I I just needed more time. I just needed more time. So I think it's helpful to kind of do a a root cause analysis. You know, um, since you said, I always needed more time. So maybe one way to start that discussion would be you know, can I run some errands from you? I, I really care about you and your loved one and I would like to help. And I've noticed that you've said you really could use some more time. So I was trying to think of ways I could help you at that time. Could I bring you lunch? Could I uh, run errands? Could I take care of your children for you? Could I pick up your child from school, you know, once a week? Sometimes I think caregivers feel guilty Uh, or they feel like I'm not doing a good job, if I do take a break, because I was put, that's sort of how I felt. I was put in this role of caregiver. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I can't take a break, because that would mean I'm not going to be a good caregiver. But I think in that situation, it's helpful, you know, just to say, don't feel guilty. If you put your loved one in the care of another caregiver for a period of time, and you make sure that your loved one is safe, uh, then you have done your job. It doesn't necessarily have to be you all the time, because you need to recharge. I think other reasons are, you know, nobody else can do it. Nobody else knows what mom likes. You know, it's going to take such a long time to explain to other people how to feed or what, how to, cook a meal or what type of recreational activities my loved one likes. So maybe in that instance, um, you know, finding ways that you could help with other things or maybe just coming over for a visit and starting slowly so that the loved one can see, oh, you know, Mary came over today and we had such a nice visit and lunch and I could see how maybe Mary could come over again and have lunch with mom and I'll go pay my bills or, you know, do something else. Um, Sometimes I think, you know, caregiving is so expensive. So a lot of people I've talked to have said, you know, I, I need to do it because I just can't afford to do anything else, you know, and if there's a spouse who can look into insurance benefits, uh, a lot of times there may be something covered, like a friend of mine said they had a bath person come. So, and it was covered by the insurance policy who could come and, you know, help bathe the loved one. And that gave her a bit of a break. Uh, physical therapy is another one. My mom uh, had someone come for physical therapy. Um, and that is kind of a break for caregivers. You know, of course, you can assist in contributing money, uh, but sometimes because of pride, you know, people don't like that. Or maybe there's a way you can help the caregivers save money somewhere else. There's this government website. I wrote it down called BenefitsCheckup.org. And you can go on that website and it'll help you identify different benefits that you might be eligible for that you may not know. So I think it's important to include the caregiver in the conversation. You know, you may think you know what's right for that person. That person may not be ready for your advice, but if you have that dialogue and try to kind of identify what's the impediment to taking a break, then maybe you can figure out a good strategy for attacking it. That was a bit long-winded, but hopefully (laughs) it was, you know, helpful. (laughs)
1: It's always helpful. and um, and so, because I, I think everybody's experience, you know um, is a little different. You know, the dy- family dynamics are different. you know, your circumstances are different. You know, so I really don't think there's you know while while there's similarities, you know, i I just think that everybody's has their own unique perspective, you know, when it comes you know, to caregiving. and so. Uh, So how would you suggest that caregivers deal with setbacks? Because we all have experienced those.
0: Yes. And they can be devastating, right? You know, you kind of know what to expect. And then, you know, all of a sudden the situation changes. And, you know, I, I remember my mother, she used to always love coming to her grandchildren's events at school. Uh, And even when she didn't really know what was going on, she still just really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. until one day she just didn't enjoy it. It was confusing. The clapping was loud. It was dark. She just wanted to leave. And I think when those type of setbacks happen and your loved one has progressed more in the disease, it's helpful to acknowledge it um, and then try to reframe it. So, you know, what can I learn from that setback? You know, is there a, you know, maybe mom can't, you know, we're not going to be going to these big school events, you know, from now on, maybe we'll try to find more intimate settings where we can visit. Um, Or my mother, for example, the whole topic of driving was just extremely difficult. Uh, And it was, time for her to stop driving, but that means losing your independence. And so we discovered a strategy of the fake car key. So we had a car key that looked like her car key and it hung in the car keys place. And I don't think she even wanted to drive. She just wanted to know she hadn't lost that independence. And so once we took a step back and said, okay, you know, this is we're having all these setbacks because of, you know, this friction we have with mom about our driving. We found that the fake car key is a strategy that works. What else can we fake car key? And I think by reframing the setback as a learning opportunity, and then if you find a strategy that works, trying to apply that strategy to something else, you know, the fake credit card, the fake cash, um, can okay. kind of give you a yeah. Can kind of give you a sense of control over Alzheimer's, which is something you have no control over.
1: Yeah, I'm just wondering does Monopoly money work? And so because you that know came I, to mind when you said cash, I was like, oh, I wonder if Monopoly money would work.
0: <laughs> so, I met someone and they used Monopoly money.
1: Yeah,
0: they did, and I said, did that? Did that really work? Because you know, didn't your dad notice? it wasn't the right color, you know, but she said, no, it worked really well for them. You know, we had, yeah, fake checks, fake credit cards, fake car key, you know, sometimes my mother, she was happy if she could just carry her purse. You know, I think she assumed everything she needed was in her purse, you know? And so when she was upset about things and where's this and, you know, where are my keys, you know, well, here's your purse. And for some reason that calmed her down.
1: And uh, so what are some tips for caregivers to help better better manage their time?
0: Well, um I try to put a lot of things on autopilot. You know, um prescriptions um you know, deliveries of you know, female underwear as i like to call it uh and other things i actually found um family-owned company in town and they would come and take inventory of your loved ones you know lotions and toothpaste and personal supplies and you know they they did charge a little bit for that service they would supply the goods and always take inventory but it meant that I wasn't out buying things that I didn't need because I had a really hard time keeping up with what is everything that she needs. And I think actually I, I probably spent less money because we only purchased you know, what it was that she was low on or that she really required. Um, I also found a mobile dentist. Uh, who specialized in people with dementia. And that was a great time saver because taking people, you know, to the doctor is a four or five hour affair by the time, you know, you get your loved one in the car and you drive there and, you know, it takes a long time. So I I would say explore ways to see if you can put things on auto autopilot. I've talked to some people who use an internet calendar there's some free calendars that you can use, and they'll make a list of, you know, things that loved ones, you know, they they would like help with, and then siblings or loved ones can kind of sign up for different tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I I think it's it can be very easy to be overwhelmed with all the different things you need to do, especially like you, Kim, having children and taking care you know, of a loved one. So um, I read about the due, delay, delum- do, delay, dump list in a book, like in an organizational book where you make a huge list of everything you need to do. And I like to add delegate to that too, and then decide if you're going to do it, if you're going to delegate it, if you're going to delay it, or if it really is not important. And that way you can kind of focus your attention on the things that really need to be done at that moment. Awesome.
1: So talk to us about AWARE. It looks like uh, your book profits, some of them of your book profits are going to AWARE. So can you tell us a little bit about AWARE?
0: Yes, Uh, I'm delighted to. AWARE is affiliated with the Alzheimer's Association and it has a long name. I always have to look at the name. It's the Alzheimer's Women's Auxiliary for Resources and Education. And it was started by a group of Houstonians. Uh, I think there were 20-something people, and they wanted to raise money initially to help people pay for caregivers because it is so expensive. And now that it's affiliated with the Alzheimer's Association, the money goes towards a variety of different things. But in their 25-year history, they've they've raised $4.8 million through an annual luncheon that they have. And my mother's dear friend was one of those founding memory, founding members, so I thought it would be a nice tribute to her. Um, you know, if a portion of the profits could go towards the fight against Alzheimer's, and in particular the the group that her friend had helped to found find. What's the right yeah. word there? <laughs> Perfect.
1: So, so Mary, how did someone find you?
0: Uh, So you can go to my website, which is HTTPS, you know, dash, dash, www.MaryMorland, dot com or my email, which is mlmoreland 2003 at gmail.com.
1: So I just want to thank you so much for being on the show and giving our listeners such good information, especially because I learned some things and we're trying to write them down, you know, without looking at my paper, you know, just, you know, some good things because, you know, the beautiful part about doing this is I learn new things all the time too. And um, that helps my clients and, you know, and hopefully someone else. And so, so I appreciate it immensely and reach out if you ever
0: need anything. And,
1: um, and so we wish you much good luck and uh, enjoy the rest of your week.
0: Thank you. Well, Kim, I really appreciated being on and, you know, it, it's great when you can talk to other caregivers because like you say, everyone's experience is different and we can all learn so much from each other uh, and really support each other. So I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. And Thanks so much, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcast as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice.